0: Hello and welcome, my name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the word of God. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. If you don't mind, I'd just like to open uh, this uh, lesson with a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you this morning. We pray your angels around this place, and we pray that you dispatch angels to the four corners of this, this sanctuary, God. We pray that you touch our hearts, touch our spirit and our souls, God. And we pray, Lord, that you find a lodging place somewhere in our hearts, God, that we may be transformed by the renewing of our minds, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, I'll tell you I've been enjoying these lessons lately. My gosh, there's all kinds of people here this morning, brother. Praise God. I've been enjoying these lessons uh this uh this quarter. And Brother Paul did a fantastic job. Everybody does a fantastic job, but man, the last couple, Brother brother Jones, Jake Jones, the same uh, section of these lessons, and man, I've just been, been blessed, honestly. Today, I'm going to be teaching on Disciplines of a Disciple. And I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18, and I'm going to be doing a lot of scripture reading today, but uh, I think it's necessary to read these scriptures just so we can get and understand what the Lord is trying to tell us today. Amen? And I'm only going to try to say that one time today. <laughs> Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Oops. Let not thy let. Left hand, know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou prayest, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, hear as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking." Be be not ye therefore like unto them, for for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fast, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, that thou appearest not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And these are my focus verses for this morning. Matthew 6, 4, 8, and 18. We've already read them, but I'm going to read them again. Verse 4. That thine alms may be in secret, and that thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Verse 6. I said 8. Either way. But thou... When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. In verse 18, that thou appearest not unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Amen. Amen. A bivocational pastor was working for a small local health clinic. Since he was in a remote area, good-paying jobs were scarce. The pastor felt blessed to have a a job that could support his family and allow him the flexibility to still pastor. However, despite enjoying the work and being well-paid, the pastor had one major problem. His supervisor at the clinic was not overly kind, and that is saying it kindly. The supervisor frequently overburdened her employees by passing off her work to them, and she had no problem harshly harshly berating her subordinates publicly. Her language was foul, and her demeanor was arrogant. Many workers complained to human resources and upper management, but their efforts were in vain. The pastor believed that prayer changes things. So he took his matter to the Lord in prayer. And months had passed and his supervisor had not changed. In fact, she had gotten worse. The pastor committed to prayer even more. Yet still nothing seemed to change. And after nearly a year, the health care company offered to send several employees to a training seminar in another state for one week. And the topic of the conference was working with difficult people. You might not answer when you want him to, but he's gonna answer you when he, right on time, right? Intrigued, the pastor volunteered to go. However, after a week at the conference, the pastor was discouraged. He had taken exhaustive notes but felt as though nothing could help his situation. On the last day of the conference, he approached the main speaker and explained his situation. I don't know what to do, he grumbled. I've tried everything. The conference speaker offered an unexpected suggestion. Have you tried buying her a gift or maybe writing her a nice card? The pastor was shocked. Why would I do that? He asked. The speaker replied, it sounds like she's stressed. She works in a remote area and is the only one within 100 miles who can do her job. Perhaps if you work hard to treat her kindly, she will realize the error of her ways and treat you all differently. The next week, the pastor convinced the entire office to chip in and buy the supervisor a bouquet of flowers and a gift certificate to her favorite restaurant. Within a month, the entire office noticed a drastic change in the supervisor. She spoke softer and was more patient and sensitive to her employees' needs. In the end, the pastor was right that prayer did change things. But before God changed the supervisor's heart, God first had to change the pastor's heart. In his sermon on the mount, Jesus contrasted the behavior of hypocrites with how he expected his followers to live. And Jesus taught his disciples the proper motives for common spiritual disciplines. As disciples, they knew about giving, praying and fasting. And Jesus assumed they already were when he gave his Sermon on the Mount. Amen. He constantly spoke of when ye give, when ye pray, and when ye fast, as they practiced these spiritual disciplines. They did not need instructions to give, pray, and fast. They did not need instruction to give, to pray, and to fast, because they were already doing it. But Jesus knew they did need him to show them the correct motive is behind it. The first discipline Jesus mentioned was giving. Now money and possessions are a sensitive topic, but Jesus never shied away from difficult topics, right? However, this was more than just about giving. Many many modern translations make it clear that Jesus was referring to practicing your righteousness before other people. Matthew 6 and 1 says in the English Standard Version, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to see by them, to be seen by them, for then you shall have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. The practice of giving alms was traditionally associated with charitable donations to the poor and to the needy. And although the hypocrites were doing good by helping the poor, they were also canceling out the spiritual benefit of their practices by broadcasting their goodness for all the world to see. Jesus said they already had the reward they were seeking, fame and recognition by the people, Instead of seeking God's approval, which is eternal, they sought man's approval, which is always short-lived. Amen? The importance of giving cannot be overstated. Jesus was speaking about giving to the poor of the land who sat in public places and begged for alms, just like the man who sat at the temple desiring something from Peter and John. However, this is not the only type of giving mentioned as normal and beneficial in Scripture. Many believers in the book of Acts sold their possessions and gave gifts to the church to benefit the entire church body. Acts 2, 44 through 45 says, And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them all to all men as every man had need. And also in Acts four thirty-two through 37, it says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and gave grace upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and, bought the pro- and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according to his need. 36. And Josh, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Church leaders also received a special offering during famine time. In Acts 11, 27-30, it says, And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And just like the present-day church, they gave in response to natural disasters. And and it was common for churches to support pastoral ministry financially as well. 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14 says, Do ye not know that which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait on the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel live of the gospel. 1 Timothy five seventeen through 18 says, Let the elders that rule when be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Giving generously was normal for all, for all New Testament churches. It is impossible to be apostolic living as the apostol, ap, ap, apostolics did, sorry. It's impossible to be apostolic living as the apostles did without giving generously. As we mentioned in the beginning of this portion, money and possessions are a hard topic, especially in this 21st century culture. We live in a time where greed runs rapid. And mind you, it's not money that's the root of all evil, but it's the love of money. I think it's safe to say that the love of money, the things in the world, And strong personal desires keep men and women at bay from the blessings of God. And again, the importance of giving cannot be overstated. And remember this one thing giving is not just what you do, but giving is who you are. Just the act of giving is not enough. Jesus taught it it is possible to do the right with the wrong moment, wrong motive. Giving with a pure motive demonstrates and grows our faith and trust in God. When we give faithfully, consistently, and sacrificially, we grow in our trust in God as he continues to supply every need. Amen. And I'm just going to testify, give you, I mean, it just hit me at this, at this juncture here. I remember we were having a, it was years ago, we were paying off a, a church, the land note, I think it was. And the leaders were brought together, and this is what we owe. And, and we were making a sacrificial offering to pay this land off. There was many of us that did it. So my wife and I prayed about it, and, and I remember, I mean, life had to change at that moment because we was fixing to sacrificially give at that time, and we had to make some adjustments. We weren't going to be able to eat out as much. We weren't going to be able to do this as much, but... God's kingdom was important, is important, and it was important to us then. And the furtherance of it, and I thank God, because look where we are today. But uh, I remember I was at work one day, and, and, and I got a call from her. My, if, if you know my wife, she's not a worrywart. She, did, she don't stress like I do, but she called me, and she was stressed, and I'm like, what's going on? She said, I need to talk to you. And I said, all right, well, what's up? She's like, I'll talk to you when we get home. I said, okay. So I got home, and I'm like, man, you could have told me that when we got home. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to be tripping all day long. So I got home, and I said, so, right away, I'm like, because I'm just that person. What do we, what, what you, got, what you got to tell me? She said, uh, uh, let's eat dinner first. I said, oh, no, ma'am. You're going to tell me what's up. Let's sit down and talk. She said, it's finances. And I'm like, what's going on? She said, I don't understand it. But she said, my wife is budget minded. She's got a budget. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, she knows that. It's unreal. Please believe me. And I'm like, I'm really freaked out now because she goes by a budget. She's like. She said, I haven't checked it lately, but I looked, and she said, we got more going out than we got coming in. I said, how is that possible? She said, I don't know. She says, I'm scared. I said, and paranoia and fear started settling in, and I could feel it, brother. And I said, whoa, the Holy Ghost quickened me. I said, okay. I said, okay. I said, let me ask you a few questions here. I said, have we missed a house note? She said, no. I said, have we missed a car note? No. Have we missed a meal? She said, well, we've adjusted and we've done this and uh, we don't eat out as much, but no. I said, okay. And the scripture came to me. When the Lord told David, he said, David said he was going to count his army, the men, And God said, don't count them. And and David said, I'm going to count them anyway. And he went out and counted the men. And then David was stuck with a dilemma there. He lost a lot of men because he disobeyed God. So when when that scripture came to me, I said, Paula, I said, I'm just going to tell you. We had like six months to go on this. Brother, we was only six months into it. We went for, we had this going for a whole year. We planned this for a whole year. We were only six months into it. I said, Paula, don't you look at that one more again. I don't want you to look at that one more time. She said, what? I said, just listen to what you're saying. God has got this. He's providing for us because we are sacrificing we're making a sacrifice for the kingdom. He's taking care of us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we got more going out than we got coming in because God's gonna God's gonna take care of us. And I'll tell you what, it was about eleven months 11 months into it, she came to me. She said, "Baby," I said, "What?" She said, "She said we we already got this paid off." I said, "Well, I thought we broke it down for twelve months." She said, well, "I don't know, but it's paid off." What do you want to do? I said, "We gonna keep paying." I mean, come on. The Lord took care of us. And I I tell you that to say, if you just purpose in your heart to do what God wants you to do, he's going to take care of you. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But God is faithful even when we're not faithful. Amen. He will supply every need. He will take care of you. I'm telling you, It's not just the church folk that understand. We got people that don't even know God, Brother Weaver, that give faithfully to God. And why are they blessed? Because they know, they understand. If I give, if I give to the church, if I give to the poor, if I give to the needy, God's gonna take care of me. God is faithful. He can't go against what he says. Praise God. Even if we do not experience wealth and prosperity, and let me back up and say, that's not the only time God has blessed me and my wife like that. I can tell you numerous times where God, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. He'll do it. And I know there's others in this church that's got the same testimony. Amen. Even if we do not experience wealth and prosperity, God will provide for every need. Jesus encouraged those listening that God sees their good deeds. God is the only one who needs to see our giving. The proper motivation for our spiritual disciplines is growing closer to God in relationship and likeness. Just as God was given bountifully to us, just as God has given bountifully to us, including robing himself in flesh and sacrificing himself on a cross, we are to imitate him by giving selflessly to others. The principles of giving are closely related to the principle of sowing and reaping. Paul penned these words But this is I say, this is, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. But this is I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. The English standing version says it like this, not reluctantly or under under compulsion. Those who give because they feel obligated will not receive blessings for their giving. Giving is a privilege. We have to honor the Lord and bless others. Giving should not be reviewed as a burden, but as an opportunity. We should purpose to honor the Lord through regular, generous, joyful giving, and then note the changes it makes in our lives. Amen? The book of Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall man give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Amen. Malachi 3.10 says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now wherewith. And prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that there shall be, not be room enough to receive it. And that's the truth. I, I remember last year I was talking to Brother Sparks. And uh, we both, were, we was talking to each other because we were so bowed up with work, Brother Britt. And I'm like, man, I'm so tired. and 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 it hit me. It hit me. And see... If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, I was like, and "I got more." He's like, "I got more work." I'm telling you, God don't lie. He can't. He can't go against what he says. This is scripture, people. It, it's real. I've experienced it, and there's many others in this in this uh, sanctuary right now that have experienced it. Jesus also assumed his followers would be praying because he said, when thou prayest. Although many people sincerely desire to pray, many are not sure where or how to begin. Jesus first addressed underlying motivations behind prayer, helped reveal the purpose of prayer, and then gave us an example of prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a helpful template for believers learning how to pray. Believers just beginning to pray would do well to use the prayer as a starting point as they grow more comfortable speaking with God on a regular basis. Prayer is communication with God. And for any relationship to thrive, there must be healthy communication. God speaks to us through His Word. But he also speaks to us through the time we spend in prayer. It's an intimate relationship. What good would me and my wife I mean what good would my wife and I's marriage be if yeah, brother Paul I got up every morning, didn't say a word to her, went to work, come home, she didn't say a word to me and we just went about that about every two or three days we spoke to each other. Hey baby, I love you, huh? what? It's an intimate relationship. Takes work. Marriage takes work. Living for God takes work. Takes commitment. Healthy prayer is a dialogue where we commune with God and He communes with us. It would be foolish to think a marriage could thrive if there were no communication. Or if the conversation was all one-sided, in our relationship with God, we must learn to have two-way conversations called prayer. Amen? The more we practice prayer, the more we will become familiar with God's voice. And the better we will be able to discern his will and desire for our lives. Amen? Since prayer is communication with God, prayer is an intimate practice. The hypocrites Jesus described prayed primarily to be seen of others. Their desire was not to speak with God as much as it was to perform in public. Those who pray to be admired by other people have admiration, have the admiration they desire. However, those who pray to touch God's heart will have more than humanity could ever provide them. Remember, it is far more important that God hears our prayers than for any human to hear our prayers. Amen? This is not to say that believers should not pray together. James encouraged believers to gather to pray In James 5, he said, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The New Testament believers frequently gather to pray, especially for urgent needs, such as Peter's release from prison. Those who have experienced the beauty of and mystery of prayer can testify that prayer truly changes things. Amen. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer will close the mouths of lions. Prayer will not allow the fire to burn you. And it'll even keep the smell of smoke off of you. And even from personal testimony, testimony, I remember, well, just remember this. He may not come when you, when you want him to, but he's always going to be on time. Always going to be on time. Man, I've been searching for my dad for all my life. I'm fixing to be 53 years old. I met him five years ago, maybe, six, maybe. I was 47 years old when I told, I, I was 47 when I told my wife, Man, I'm done with this. So, I guess do the math real quick. I said, I can't do this anymore, man. This is just way too depressing. She said something to the fact of uh, my wife. Just one more. Let's try one more time. And I'm like, man, I am done with this. And uh, and I can't remember where I got it. I, I received one of those DNA uh, the. Uh, ancestry yeah the ancestry kits and uh so I called brother I because he he's got a similar background I said hey brother I, I said I got this kid I said what do you think about this he said man I've heard good things about it and I'm like yeah whatever <laughs> and so my wife just because she's my wife and I love her I I listened to her so I spit in this little cup and I sent it off and and it was weeks later, I, man, I received these hits on, and I'm like, what in the world? Man, I got all these people all around the world. This is crazy. Man, I got all kinds of family. But, you know, I didn't see nothing in there that was saying, my dad. Like I said, you know, the Lord, he may not come when you want, want him, but he's going to be there on time. So I found this one. She, It was like a second cousin, but she was an oddball out of all of them all the hits I had, so I told my wife, and we had, I was in my office, we had this big old family tree, I had sticky notes, it was crazy, and uh, (laughs) I said, uh, I told her about this lady, and we looked at her stuff, and she's like, well, let's call her, and I was like, no, I'm not calling her, I said, I'm a little bit, I have to be sure, she said, "Let's call her." I said, "I'm not doing it." I said, "Paula, don't you do it? Don't you do it?" She don't say nothing. So I had come to praise pra- praising practice, and uh, yeah, I know I was on the praising at one time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I was on my I was on my way home, and I and I got a I got a call or something. And I was like, Paula, I said, somebody's calling me from Nevada or somewhere, uh, or somewhere over there. I said, I don't know. Anybody lives there? Answer it. So I answered the phone. Hi, Chris. This is so and so. And I looked at Paula and she's like, I'm like, oh. So, uh, yeah, that's my wife. So uh, anyway, she this lady leads me to some, uh, some people in Wyoming. And so I start Facebook, and I start stalking these people. I'm like, man, I don't know. This might be legit. I was like, all right. Here's the lady she was talking about, Lorraine. She said that was her cousin because she went through the similar thing, so she was helping me out. And uh, so... I said, Paula, this if this is so, if this family tree and everything is legit, this would be my aunt. And she said, let's call her. I said, no, I have to make sure. She said, okay. So I'm going to Arkansas to visit brother and sister I, and is going to Mississippi to see the Grands. I, had, I was going to do some work over there with them, and so I went over there, and uh I get a call from my wife. Guess what? I said, what? She said, I reached out to that lady. I said, I told you not to. She said, I know, but it sounds good. And I'm like. So anyway, through all that, I say, God answers prayer. I searched for this man. Oh, my wife. And God is Faithful. Even when you're about ready to give up. I met this man about five years ago. And it was like overnight that. It was overnight when we talked to my Aunt Lorraine and we traded pictures. And I, and, and I, and I called, I'd sent a letter to this man that I never met. Saying, I, I don't want nothing from you. I just, I just want to know you. I just want to get to know you. And I said, it's in the Lord's hands now, if, th- if this be it. And so I t- he called, his wife called me, and I spoke to this man for the first time. I was like a child talking to this man. It's kind of humorous. But anyway, we s- swapped some things, and he says, you know, my, my mama was a Cordova. I said, oh, wow. He's like, yeah. I said, well. That's okay. We might be cousin dad. You might be my cousin daddy. <laughs> he laughed. He said, yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> but anyway, we, we hit it off like that. It was great. And uh, what do you want to do now? I said, I, I want to I get a DNA test. I would, I'd love to do that. He said, I'll pay for it. I said, no, I'm, this is my journey. I'm going to do it. So I paid for it, and it came back. He calls me. He said, Well, I said, Yeah. I said, I guess you're my daddy. <laughs> yeah, what do we do now? So we went on Father's Day that year. Me and my wife got on a plane. And of course, my wife. She's truly an angel. She arranged us to go on this trip. And I, she experienced that with me. And, but God. All I can say, prayer, prayer changes things. So I'm telling you, when you pray, don't handcuff God. Don't handcuff his hands. Pray for those things that are not as though they were. And watch and see what God will do. God is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, God is always faithful. But most of all, prayer draws us closer to God, helps us better discern his voice, transforms hearts, changes circumstances, and results in countless and indescribable blessings. Amen. Perhaps this is why Paul encouraged Christians to pray without ceasing. Discovering the power of prayer should draw us to live a lifestyle where prayer is common and frequent. The true story of the bivocational pastor and difficult supervisor testifies that continual disciplined prayer will draw us closer to the Lord. Prayer changes things, but prayer first changes the heart and mind of the person praying. Those who do not allow prayer to transform them and continue to pray, selfish prayers ask amiss when they pray. James 4 and 3 says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. The wise believer does well to approach prayer with humility and servitude, not presumption and arrogance. Even Jesus concluded a prayer with, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. True humility in prayer recognizes the superiority and sovereignty of God. The insufficiencies of human wisdom and knowledge and the importance of being formed into God's image. Through humble and consistent prayer, we can daily draw closer to God. And the final discipline Jesus mentioned in this section of the Sermon on the Mount was fasting. Everybody loves fasting. My my wife loves fasting. I'm just going to tell you that. That woman right there is a fasting machine. My gosh. Fasting is mentioned multiple times in the Old Testament. Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights while spending time with God on Mount Sinai. The Day of Atonement called all the congregation to afflict their souls often in reverence to fasting. Jewish in the rabbinical tradition called for even more fasting. However, fasting had become such a commonplace that the people had forgotten its purpose. And again, Jesus assumed his followers were already fasting, so he simply set out to correct their motivations. Of the three disciplines, fasting might be the most uncomfortable because it goes against our basic biological instinct to eat. Fasting is uncomfortable and undesired. Amen. Our bodies need food to survive. That is part of God's design. The act of fasting causes us to remember that communion with God is even more important than our most basic human needs. As Job sat in the ash heap scraping boils from his skin, he reflected on how important God was to him. Job Job thought, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Fasting reminds us even better than food can. The Pharisees followed all the required fasts and more. They were judgmental. They distorted their faces, hoping their expressions would impress more people. Ironically, by fasting just to look better than others, the Pharisees fell into the same wrong motives as Old Testament Israel and earned a similar rebuke as them. Isaiah 58 and 4 says, Behold, ye fast for strife and debate. And to smite with the fist of wickedness, ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Fasting done for for the purpose of strife and debate is never God's will. The proper motive for fasting must be to draw closer to God. Our flesh is weak and limited, but fasting reminds us we are more than flesh and blood. Amen. Fasting helps us to empty ourselves of selfish desires and helps bring our spirits more in line with what God is doing in our lives. We can't properly hear the voice of God with every area of the world screaming at us. So it is important that we find time to fast so that we can get in line with what God is trying to say to us. Giving, praying, praying. In fasting are only some of the spiritual disciplines we can practice on a regular basis to draw closer to God. Regular study of God's word, meditation on spiritual things are also biblically demonstrated disciplines. Even evangelism service, fellowship are forms of spiritual disciplines. Perhaps the most difficult of all disciplines are the practices of silence and solitude, Where we get alone with God, free from distractions, to meditate on him and his word. Disciplines are not easy, nor are they instinctive. They must be developed and strengthened over time. Just as muscles do not grow with one trip to the gym, I wish they did. Disciplines are not perfected in one day. Disciplines require consistency over time and may become positive habit that daily draws us closer to God. Amen. God is honored when we faithfully make time to spend with him. I promise you. He always, he's always ready to meet meet with us. He honors our efforts every time we come to him. In our spiritual disciplines, we have the promise to remember, we have this promise to remember from James. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. The bivocational pastor from our earlier story was immediately humbled when the speaker suggested his thoughts and actions should change towards his boss before he could expect her to change. The pastor reflected how he was was a lifelong apostolic, an ordained minister, And a believer who spent over a year praying for this woman to treat him and his colleagues better. But he had never once considered treating her better. The pastor had spent so much time in his spiritual disciplines, praying for God to change her. But he had not asked God to change his own heart first. As the pastor told his story, he was quick to clarify that it is certainly biblical to pray for situations or other people to change. However, if our prayer for change only includes others and not ourselves, we are certainly praying amiss. The pastor realized his prayers were actually selfish because none of them were for the woman's salvation or for her well-being. His prayers were simply for his own convenience, his own comfort, and his own preference. He admitted he had not thought critically about how he prayed until the Lord revealed it to him. And one of the dangers of knowing truth is assuming we always handle the truth correctly and treat others as we should. Thankfully, apostolics do have truth. Despite that fact, As long as we are flesh and blood, we will not be perfect, and we cannot assume we are always correct or that we treat others correctly. Amen. There is a difference between having the truth as a piece of theoretical knowledge and actually walking daily in that truth. There is also a difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. The first requires memorizing and learning facts. The second requires daily faithful spiritual disciplines. The first requires collection of knowledge, and the second requires becoming a practitioner, applying the knowledge to daily life. Spiritual disciplines can help us discover new levels of spiritual intimacy with God we have never experienced before. Spiritual disciplines can move us from a spiritual astronomer always looking up and studying the stars to a spiritual astronaut who ascends into the heavens to get closer and closer to God. Amen. When we learn to give, pray, and fast with faithfulness and cheerfulness, God will meet us in those disciplines to elevate us to a new spiritual height. And remember this. If we're going to obey God and make disciples, we can't make disciples until we first become a disciple. We have to become a disciple ourselves. So let's get closer to God, amen? Can we stand? Lord, I thank you today. Thank you for your words, for your blessings upon us, God. Thank you for the disciplines that you've placed in our hearts, God. And I pray that you help us see those disciplines, God, that it helps us and transforms us into your likeness, God. Thank you so much for your blessings, God. We ask that you bless this day, bless the coming service, and bless our people today in Jesus' name, amen. Have a few minutes to fellowship.